Hey there, welcome to the Stormwater World Podcast. After 10 years in the stormwater industry, I feel like I've only scratched the surface of all there is to learn. I believe there are a lot of people just like me who are curious, but we're all just so busy. So I'm going to ask the questions so we can get the answers together. My name is Ty Garman, and I'm your host. Join me as we learn about what is happening in the stormwater world. Hey everybody, welcome back to the pod. Uh, today, we've got Eric Seidel. He's the Director of Business Development with us uh, for EnviroLock. Uh, Eric, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much, Ty. My pleasure for being here, and I appreciate the opportunity to connect with you. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So... Let's just get right into it. EnviroLock. I mean, I feel like you know you see all these different products and different solutions, but you know we still, I still don't know everything, and I think there's plenty of people out there that have no idea what EnviroLock is. So let's just start right there. What what is EnviroLock, and what does it do? Yeah. So EnviroLock is a fully engineered geo-based system. Um, it's the idea is to essentially fill the bags with a mixture of sand and topsoil. And the bags can then be vegetated. They're completely engineered for a permanent solution. So it becomes a great soft armored alternative to typical hard armoring systems for shorelines, slopes, as well as other waterways. So instead of using riprap, um, utilizing naturally resilient solutions that really stand the test of time and work with Mother Nature instead of against it. Gotcha. Gotcha. So... How long has the company been around and like how long have you been associated with it and kind of what's the history there? Yeah. EnviroLock has been around since the early 2000s um, as part of one of the products of our sister company, Agricole Native Plant Nursery. And uh, in about 2017, we separated the two companies and really, you know, my job coming in around 2017 was to focus on growth opportunities and you know, it was a great seamless transition for me um, working in landscape architecture for about 20 years in Wisconsin. Um, you know, worked on a variety of waterfront uh, restoration projects as well as land development projects, parks and open space. So really it's been great for me because it gives me an opportunity to reconnect with a lot of the engineers, landscape architects, and regulatory agencies that I've been working with for a long time. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you had mentioned too that it was a permanent solution. So are there other solutions out there that you run up against where people are maybe using temporary solutions as permanent solutions, or do sometimes people use EnviroLock as a temporary solution and you kind of have to try to persuade them away from that, that it can be permanent or kind of what's your, what's your feelings on that? Yeah, we always try and remind people that it is a permanent solution. Um, you know, once in a while we come across something where it's going to be a a temporary hold and um you know a lot of times for smaller slopes um if they're going to take the bags out and it's a temporary solution they can reuse the bag system in a new solution um so that's a great opportunity for reuse but again we really try and focus on something more permanent we see a lot of shorelines that are still being done with railroad ties wooden walls uh you know concrete block, riprap, things like that. And people think of great infrastructure as being permanent, but it really isn't. All of those systems are going to move. They're going to deteriorate. Whereas the Envirolock system, it really grows in its strength from day one, where if you put a concrete wall in, 
the minute that that touches the ground, it starts to crumble, it starts to deteriorate. So your strength on day one is just going to start to disappear in the future. Or in Firelock, once those roots really grow through and in, you know grow through the bags and connect to that soil, your system is going to look better and better and be stronger and stronger with time. Gotcha, gotcha. And then in soccer with you offline, it seems like, too, that you all differentiate yourselves in a couple of different ways. Um, one is uh, you mentioned the bags. I think the, you know, the bags themselves are actually different than a lot of the other uh, products out there, right? You want to touch touch a little bit on, on how that uh, kind of affects the long-term longevity of the, of the product? Yeah, yeah. So early on in the process, we used a heat-treated poly bag which is still kind of the industry standard for a lot of socks and other bag systems that are out there. But one of the great things that we really started to do was work with our sister company, Agricol Native Plant Nursery, um, work with uh, you know some of our contractors that we've supplied to over the years. And what we learned is those black colored bags tend to heat up pretty quickly, especially when you're down in Florida, Texas, areas like that, that are much warmer than Wisconsin. And there's a quite a bit of considerable degree temperature difference um, between a tan colored bag and the black colored bag. Um, so we tried green, we tried a variety of different colors, different materials, and really arrived on that tan bag. Really, it just helps with germination, longevity. And what homeowners find are we do a ton of residential shoreline work and just not having to irrigate or water as often. Um, really just helps. It becomes lots, much less maintenance. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so this, uh, this product will hold up against a, uh, a, a, a speedboat, right? Like, uh, we kind of talked about that offline as well. Like this is the product that comes in and saves your lake, uh, against speedboats. I don't know if there's a good way to, to talk about that or touch on that or kind of like the example you may have of that, but I, I find that pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So uh, working in rural Texas on some of the larger man-made lakes, uh, there's a lot of you know great lakefront communities, lakefront homes. But the lakes are so massive down there, you get these giant cigarette boats. And, you know, unfortunately, not all uh, boat owners, uh, you know, adhere to the no-wake zones or adhere to the 75 feet from shoreline. And when you're cruising along, you know, it massive speeds you're throwing waves eight to ten feet over the top of the shoreline and that's where envirolock really comes into play and that's one of the reasons why we were brought in to work with the folks at long cove was their shoreline was really being destroyed primarily due to a lot of the wake and a lot of the boat rental places that uh, are along the lakes and basically we created a system that would uh, fortify the shoreline itself but also extend beyond the shoreline for that, you know, six to eight to 10 feet in order to make sure that the soil remained encapsulated. Um, even in Wisconsin, we're seeing on some of our smaller lakes, the boats are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And you look at some of the other solutions that are out there for shoreline stabilization, um, such as quarter logs. And it's always interesting when we go up to the lake for the 4th of July and uh, a lot of folks have put in their Coir logs at the beginning of the planting season in May and by the 4th of July, uh, you know, the plants just have a hard time growing through that dense coir fiber. Um, and you see they, that they'll come unstaked from the shoreline and they start to float around the lake. So you have these floating little oh, wow. islands across the lake where Envirolock, you know, 
we work with uh, you know the homeowner, the contractor, as well as our engineering team to make sure that we have a fortified system so that it's going to withhold um, any wave action that you have. Oh, so in other words, like, and I think I can see it. I'm looking at your website now. So anybody, like, of course, the website's in the show notes or it's in Viralock, E-N-V-I-R-O-L-O-K.com for, for our listeners out there. And you go right to the website and you can see where what you're seeing on the shoreline, actually what's out of the water is just kind of half the story, right? Like it also, it looks like it also goes down into um, or under the water to help kind of like what you're saying, tie everything together. Is that, am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. The bags essentially um, create more of a veneer system, but again, they're tied back into the shoreline, so they're not going to um, fail. They have a strength together as a, an entire mattress. And again, another advantage is you look at placing a retaining wall along a shoreline and you have that vertical face, and the waves hit that vertical face and they return and create a scouring effect. And eventually your retaining wall starts to break down pretty quickly. Where our system, you know, we can set at a um, one vertical, two horizontal, one-to-one. So it's receiving ice, it's receiving waves in more of a natural form, and it kind of dissipates that energy a little bit. Oh, I got you. I got you. So it's not just that straight up, just where it's just pounding, it kind of can come off of it. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. So we talk about living shorelines, which I think is a cool term. Uh, in the in the notes, you says you say something about living shorelines as carbon sinks. I'm going to go ahead and show my notes. I don't even know what a carbon sink is. Surprise! That's the whole goal of this podcast because I don't know. So that's why I'm talking to you, and then we get the information out to everybody, right? So tell me or tell those people. I'm sure there's people probably you know that do know whatnot, whatever. But uh, what's a carbon sink? How does it all play together with the living shorelines? Yeah, a, a carbon sink is just a natural form of collecting and sequestering carbon. And I think the term really just comes along because sequestering is such a terrible word to have to tackle day in and day out. So I'm not sure who coined the sink, the term carbon sink, but essentially you're creating a holding capacity for carbon and taking that out of the atmosphere to slow global, global warming and climate change. And, you know, carbon sinks can be done in a variety of different ways. And you're essentially it's biomimicry. You're taking what nature is doing and doing right and recreating that system. So we're essentially starting at the shoreline. And it's those areas that become inundated with water um, in certain times and are very low on oxygen that tend to hold a lot of carbon. And it works great when you start to look at those shoreline planting areas with the native plants, um, saltwater marshes, mangroves um, are, you know, an increasingly important restoration tool, especially down in Florida. Um, you know, they're probably one of the plants who have the highest capability for taking in carbon and releasing it as, you know, an alternative gas that's going to be beneficial for the planet. Um, the other thing with Florida is as we see, you know, climate change and rising tides, um, we're starting to lose land at, you know, an amazing amount of material per year. Those mangroves play a really unique role, not just in ecosystem, but in the case of holding those shorelines and restoring those areas and, you know, again, preserving our, you know, nature as well as our man-made infrastructure. I feel like you've kind of touched on it a little bit, you know, what we've been talking about, but you, we also, I also have it kind of in my notes, um, 
you know, a collaborative approach to green infrastructure solutions. Do you want to kind of expound on that, kind of where Envirolock fits into this uh, this approach and kind of what other, I don't know, and, and so other products that kind of tie into it or kind of how you feel like where Envirolock um, maybe is not getting that opportunity and you see like, hey, you know, to, to, you know, speaking, I guess, maybe to engineers out there that might be listening or whoever that has a, a particular project and we're in the past, you know, maybe you see X and Y being used and you know for for fact that if Envirolock was Z, then it, then they would have the, the perfect solution. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, just as you consider stormwater management, that, you know, engineers always talk about a train of BMPs about, you know, treating white work alls and then, you know, different um, solutions all the way down. So by the time it reaches the water, it's kind of the same thing with Envirolock. And again, there is no one solution for shoreline stabilization, waterways, or slopes that fits every single site. And for us, it's more about collaborating with our clients, collaborating with our regulatory agencies, and making sure that what we have is the right fit. And we know well ahead of time when we get into a project, we may not be the right fit. And making sure that we have solid recommendations and solutions um, you know, to come up with and, you know, just walk them through the process. And if we turn them loose to another product, we turn them loose to another product. But again, we make sure that we work with our clients every step of the way, make their, making their job easy is really our goal. Um, you know, I, I remember back in my days of landscape architecture, you'd work with different product manufacturers or reps and, you know, you call them, you get the information, they're there on your doorstep, lunch and learn, they woo you. And then all of a sudden, when you really need them, they disappear and they may or may not show up. (laughs) Where'd they go? Yeah, yeah. That's the approach that we want to take. We want to make sure that they, you know, if I can't be at a site or one of our representatives can't be on the site, we make sure that we have remote methods of connecting. Uh, And then as far as collaborative products, you know, with ours, uh, there's a lot of uh, amazing projects that we work on. You know, there there may be a stream bank that needs um, some restorative work, but Envirolock is only one of, you know, 10 different tools that are going to be utilized out there. And we mesh really well with different systems such as Fleximats, um, you know, some of the core log installations um, when they're applicable, um, things like that. I, I would say, you know, uh, on every project, it's about having the right product in the right place. And I think a lot of the engineers that we work with, such as AECOM, Freeze and Nichols and others, they've really picked up on that and they know exactly where to specify the Envirolock. And sometimes it's an entire project. Sometimes it's just a bend on a creek or an area where they want access down to a beach or um, coastal marshland, things like that. So it works out really great. Um, you know, I would say the biggest hurdle that we have sometimes in initial conversations is people are expecting the bank system to be really simple and biodegradable. And that's not the case. Um, You know, the system is simple to install, but there's a lot more to it. It's not just stacking sandbags and walking away and letting it vegetate. There's some design and engineering and thought that goes into everything. And then the other thing, um, Again, we're not a burlap bag system. We've experimented with biodegradable bag systems and really have come back multiple times to the poly bag for permanency. Uh, You know, biodegradable bags and socks are great, but what happens is 
you get one area where you have some vegetation loss and that could happen in year one, year two, year five, and you're back at square one where that area is going to fail because it's no longer protected because there's nothing there remaining. Where with our system, again, the bags are going to be permanent. So if you do have, you know, damage from flooding, if you have uh, loss of vegetation, it has the advantage of essentially healing itself and allows it to revegetate that next season. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, we hadn't talked about this, and we don't really have it in the notes, but uh, it just came across. It just dawned in my mind. So, what about like, is this a is this a product um, that I can use anywhere? Like any stay? Is it do I does it have to get approved by the stay? Like, is it gonna you gonna put the stuff in it that grows locally to me? Like, how does all that work? Is that so? Anybody listening, if if they like go to you know basically if they're like interested, go to your website or think, oh man, I've got a project for that. Is there hoops to have to jump through there, or is it something that can be used universally? And then you get and you guys kind of work with everybody, state to state, locale to locale. Yeah, yeah. We always recommend that you contact any local permitting agency just to make sure that um, you know you're within any permit requirements or regulatory requirements for what you're doing in the area. But again, one of the advantages and you know one of the aspects of Envirolock that makes it easy to use is that it's really a slope stabilization system and that's how the regulatory agencies see it it's not seen as a retaining wall um, so uh, again in most of the cases you're not required to get any sort of permit if you go above four feet in height or anything like that again because it's vegetated it's um, a permeable surface and what we're starting to see okay. more and more on lakefronts um, throughout the u.s i mean it started in Wisconsin um, years ago, but within 35 feet of the shoreline itself, um, you know, unless you have existing pre-existing conditions, you typically are not allowed to use either um, man-made materials like concrete, etc., or you cannot put any impermeable surfaces within 35 feet. So that's where Envirolac works great. Um, you know, it's going to be permanently vegetated. Um, it's going to retain your soil, but Another advantage is the material that we're using in the bag is about a 70% sand, 30% topsoil mix. So in addition to being great growing media for plant material, it also acts as a filter for some of the pollutants, you know, that might be flowing over on their way down to the lakefront, things like that. So again, there's many advantages to the system and it's so much more than, you know, just retaining soil. Gotcha. Gotcha. And just to clarify for all of our listeners out there, what Eric just said is it is not, it is not a retaining wall. And what it sounds like retaining walls, you have to get additional permitting or sometimes they're just not allowed in certain areas. Whereas this product can be used because of its permeability and because of the angle of which it is set up at versus how the retaining wall is traditionally set up. So that's pretty, that's actually pretty, pretty big. Cause anytime I think for anybody that has to get one less permit. That's a good thing. Right. Um, so did I, did I clarify that? Right. Is that sound, is that accurate? Yeah, that that's exactly right. And, uh, okay. yeah, we worked on a wonderful retaining wall projects, um, locally here and, you know, the homeowner had challenges in acquiring the property, getting approval for the home. And by the time he was done with the permitting process, he was just exhausted and, you know, we had worked in the um, city where 
his house is and, you know, knew the inspector. So we made the phone call and I just said, Hey, you know, we're looking at a one-to-one slope, two-to-one slope. He's like, yep, you're fine. No retaining wall. And the look on the homeowner's face when he realized he didn't have to go back in front of the city again was really priceless. So <laughs> yeah, making life that's easier good. for everyone. That's our goal. For everybody. All right, cool. Well, you know what? You, you've mentioned residential a couple of times. And I know you're talking about, you know, some of these houses that back up to lakes or whatnot. Um, but I thought I'd give you an opportunity before. I, I do want to talk about a cuss word that's in, in, in our industry. And I'll touch on that in a second. That's a, a horrible, nasty word. But uh, but before I do that, but I, I, I'll give you an opportunity. So you also have, so there's EnviroLock, right? And, so, and then there's Agricol, which is the, the, the nursery that has the seeds and plants. Whatnot. And then you've launched a company called GrowAll because of all the people on the residential side that uh, wanted to be able to take advantage of your product. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a commercial product. It's big, you know, the bags are big. And I believe that the grow all bags are a little bit easier for the DIYers like myself to get in there and handle if, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So do you want to talk about, touch on that a little bit about grow all? And I think, I think I got it right. Yeah. Yeah. That would be great. Uh, yeah, you've hit it exactly right. Um, again, we do a lot of large public spaces. We do a lot of small projects, but you know, through COVID we started to see this massive um, opportunity and expansion of restoration of a lot of these uh, residential lakefronts and riverside homes, things like that. And, you know, we have a lot of DIYers who come to EnviroLock and, uh, you know, we've had a lot of great success with it. But by the time, you know, these homeowners are done lifting 80 to 100 pound um, geo bags and placing them, you know, they're exhausted. And so, what we've come up with is a, essentially a modified system of the EnviroLock system, and it's a little bit different size and shape bag meant to take anywhere from 40 to 60 pounds. And again, we have a similar spike system and tieback system with a geogrid strapping that's available. So it works great for retaining walls up to about three feet tall. Um, shorelines that might be traditionally done with quarter logs or, you know, small boulder riprap, um, as well as raised garden beds. That's probably the biggest use of the Grawl system right now. Uh, you know, it's great. Nice. You can create a raised living garden bed. So you plant your, um, you know, some of your flowers, some of your herbs, things like that in between the bags on the vertical surfaces or the more vertical surfaces and get your traditional um, vegetables in the garden bed itself. And it works great. Keeps the rodents out. Okay. Um, you know, people, people love it. Uh, it's nice. been great. We're doing a formal launch this spring with the product itself. So we're really excited to keep moving that system forward and, Again, the great thing about utilizing the grow-all system as more of a replacement for a retaining wall is if you go to a big box store and you purchase concrete block, what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, especially in our northern climate here, you need a footing or a foundation. So you might be burying multiple layers. You might need eight to 10 inches of clear gravel. And then behind it, you need some sort of a drainage system. So Yes, your little concrete blocks might cost 2 or $3 a piece, but if you don't install that correctly, it's only going to last a year. Where with the EnviroLock system, up to three feet, you're, or the uh, GrowAll system, up to three feet, you're right. burying a half a bag, no footing, no foundation. Your backfill material should be a nice sandy loam topsoil. 
um, you know, easily a family can finish, you know, a hundred bag or a hundred square foot retaining wall, um, including filling the bags in a weekend. Nice. Nice. I've got a project up in Kentucky. I'd like to, I think I need to figure that out. So that's all. That's awesome. Well, well, we could, uh, you got me thinking now, and I didn't realize that the project is officially launching in spring. So everyone out there listening, Hey, there you go. Breaking news right here on the stormwater world podcast. So that's pretty cool. Um, all right. So let's finish up with a nasty, nasty, uh, the word that everybody loves to hate in our industry, uh, maintenance, right? So it sounds like in a nose that you had, uh, put in there for us that uh i guess vegetation vegetative solutions in general kind of take a bad rap in our industry of being high maintenance do you want to uh bust that myth and kind of kind of let us know what the maintenance looks like on uh on the environment you know the viral lock system yeah yeah you know i give a lot of credit especially to some of these public works directors in small towns you're not just doing one thing you're a jack of all trades from snow plowing to lawn mowing to uh, building maintenance, things like that. And, you know, sometimes they feel like, hey, you know, weeding or, you know, working through with plant material is just another step of challenges. And, you know, that mentality also, you know, as human beings, we see concrete and we think, hey, concrete grain infrastructure solutions, those are permanent solutions. That's not the case at all. And if you really start to dive into things, you know, Again, it might be five years before you need to do some heavy maintenance to a concrete or gray infrastructure system, but the cost of that maintenance greatly outweighs the yearly maintenance that vegetation takes. And again, it's really what it comes down to as us as professionals, um, you know, when we're recommending plant material or systems with plant material, making sure that we match the right plants for the right space and the right client as well. You know, we, we don't want to bring in plants that are going to be four or five feet tall um, in a small rain garden that's 200 square feet. That's one of my big pet peeves right there. It, you know, if you're walking in urban downtown Dallas and there's a rain garden there and, you know, you have 20 <laughs> different species in 500 square feet, it's just too messy for the eyes. But if you come in there and you put a simple plant palette together that still has a few pollinators for habitat, um, you know, has some nice mixes of grasses and sedges, you can have a really nice manicured look that's going to be a lot less maintenance. And again, you know, working with some of those sedges and grasses, if you do need to do, you know, I'm not a huge fan of herbicide, but if you do need to do a little herbicide treatment or something like that, it's very simple to do. But a lot of times the maintenance is pretty quick, pretty simple. And again, through our sister company at Agricol, we've come up with a variety of different products like our native vegetated mat, which is essentially a prairie that can be unrolled on a site. And we have a mix that's perfect for rain gardens. You get that done, it's rolled out, it's ready to go. There's no room. It's fully vegetated. There's no room for those weeds to start growing in right off the bat. That takes off the first year of maintenance right off the bat, which is great. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, um, I, I, I really appreciate you being on. I think the product is awesome, and I'm super happy that you've got a a, a, a residential side uh, product that uh, somebody like me doesn't have to lift an 80 pound bag. You know, when you're 100 and let's say 160 or 160 pounds, you know, li lifting half my body weight uh, for for a half a day or a, or a weekend it just doesn't doesn't sound uh, 
uh, like a good idea uh, or, or fun. But uh, any any final thoughts? Like, I guess uh, I, I know I've been uh, talking to folks, uh, fortunately, kind of all around the country so far. So, like, any any thoughts on maybe local, what you see locally in your stormwater area there? In uh, you're in uh, Emmonsville, Wisconsin, right? So, any thoughts on local local things going on in uh, in stormwater before we go, or any final thoughts on just uh, or anything you feel like we missed that you want people to know about uh, what's what's going on with the viral lock in, in general? Yeah, yes. Uh, I would say just, um, you know, the aspect of the bag itself, um, you know, don't be afraid of the weights. Um, when we work with a lot of contractors and they get really innovative really quickly on ways to make it simple. And it all comes down to mobilization and making sure that everything's in the right space. And, you know, I've seen some contractors create some very unique, um, you know, different machinery to move and set the bags so that they limit the um, hand labor, which is great. I, you know, I, I love just. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Out there, it's you know that that's a great. I got no. I got I got complete faith in contractors. Yeah, no, please don't. And nobody misunderstand me. I, I, I think this thing is probably super simple to install on the contractor basis. I just talk about lowly o five foot for me. I am glad Growall is launching in the spring. So yeah, for sure. And I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. Go ahead. What what what's your what's your second? (laughs) On our end here, uh, you know the. The state of the water uh, in Wisconsin is no different than anywhere else. And there's, you know, particularly in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, there's been a huge focus on stormwater management. And I'm so lucky to have been part of that movement in the Green Corridor and the airport gateway districts. Um, Really just taking stormwater management, creating innovative solutions, and utilizing it as an opportunity for community education, community development. you know, we've taken a lot of land um, that was once owned by railroads, um, converted it to park space, open space, and really demonstration areas, um, including rain gardens, um, rainwater catchment systems, uh, even came up with a variety of different innovative ideas, including permeable precast concrete panels, um, you know, trying those out, uh, basically set them in place and the idea is that because they're poured in place in a controlled environment, they're going to be much more permeable. Whereas if you pour permeable concrete in place, you never know what the weather is going to be like, how much moisture is in the air, how hot it is. And depending on how it dries and things like that, you may lose some of that permeability. Um, so we've had some fantastic, unique opportunities. Um, we're 10 in hand with Brian Simon of Brian Simon Landscape and, uh, just a phenomenal opportunity and so grateful to be part of so many great projects. And uh, with the airport gateway district, um, it's all about improving that idea of Milwaukee and that view of Milwaukee, making it much more aesthetic, but also creating a green unique space and utilizing it as an opportunity um, for residents to replicate, you know, what we were doing on a much smaller basis. Okay, cool. Wow. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, uh, I guess, uh, well, I, I mean, if there's no, if you don't have any other thoughts, I, I really appreciate you being on, on the pod today. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, I would assume you're open to doing lunch and learns and stuff like that, right? Like, is that, is that something you do? Do you do lunch and learns online or no? Or do you just take a lot of, uh, field a lot of calls, uh, 
How do you yeah, handle it? We are very open to lunch and learns um, webinars. We can do it online. I, I really still like the old school getting out to the offices and meeting and greeting people. I think more right. more, uh, people are open to that. But again, if you're looking for credit hours, um, you know, we're very open to doing that. Um, usually Tuesdays are great days. And for nonprofits, regulatory agencies out there, I love doing educational sessions. It's not just about talking about Envirolock and our system. It's about making okay. use of your time and having you walk away with a better outlook on options that are out there and opportunities. Awesome. Awesome. So there you go. So if uh, so, we'll have all the website and everything uh, linked in the show notes. And uh, if you want to get hold of Eric, you can uh, contact him, give him a call, or you can fill out. I'm sure they have a contact form on there for uh, lunch and learns, and it's not necessarily just product driven, but also just but green infrastructure driven uh, in general. So that's awesome, man. And uh, again, I appreciate you being on the pod. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Stormwater World podcast. Do you have something you'd like to discuss? Do you have an opposing opinion regarding something you heard during this episode? Let's talk about it. Click on the link in the show notes to sign up for a future episode. I'd love to visit with you about what's happening and how you see things unfolding in your stormwater world.